my name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial agent station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast. And do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. My name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9am to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed this time round, served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. Let's start with a fabulous story. It is deeply inspirational. What an amazing story from Priyanka Chopra Jonas's recently released memoir, Unfinished. Taking us back to the days before she became a Bollywood star. Priyanka Chopra journeys back to the year 2002 to her film debut. And this was a Tamil film, Thamizan. And this was opposite Thalapati Vijay. Now, Thalapati Vijay, he was already a mega star back in 2002. And he was also in the news barely two months ago when Master opened as the first big South Indian film to come to the cinemas after multiple lockdowns all year last year. Thalapati Vijay stars in that film as well. I had no idea he was Priyanka Chopra's first co-star in 2002. Wow. Now, reflecting on these first memories on a film set, the first impressions which sometimes become lasting impressions. Priyanka Chopra says, I remember Vijay as being a gifted and gracious actor. And he was tremendously inspiring. You know why? Because even though we were shooting sometimes for 15 hours a day, 15 hours non-stop, despite that, he would always take some time out to meet and greet his fans who would gather outside the sets. You know, 15 years ago, it was not a but you know, to shake their hand, to take a photograph with them or just to kind of smile and hug them and say thank you for your love and all of that. He would always do that. He would never walk straight to his vanity van even after 15 hours of shoot. And she says his humility, his generosity, that made a lasting impression on me. 14, 15 years later, Priyanka says, I was shooting outside the New York Public Library for Quantico and a lot of my fans had gathered to see the shoot. And she says, taking a cue from Vijay, every single day during my lunch break, I would nibble on my lunch, but I also made it a point to step outside to say hello to my fans, to greet them, to take selfies with them. You know why? Because Vijay, as my co-actor, my first co-actor, had set such a good example. My first celebrity interview as a radio presenter was with Amir Khan. This was almost 25 years ago. I was fresh into the business, barely six months into broadcasting. I was on All India Radio Delhi. At the same time, I was on commercial radio as well. Times FM at the time, Radio Mitchi now. And they told me that, right, Shabnam, Amir Khan is going to be in the studio uh, with you for two hours and you will be interviewing him. And not just that, you will be fielding questions from callers as well. That is a very big gig. That is a very big deal, right? 
and Aamir Khan in Delhi. Delhi wale to waise starved of Bollywood stars, right? The roads leading up to the studio were packed. The studio was packed, you know, and oh, everybody from the MD of Times of India to everyone had a bouquet for Aamir Khan, and you know, we want to see him and we want to tell him how much we love him. All of that. Aamir Khan just took a moment and he said to everyone, he said, "Look." I'm going to take a picture with all of you. I'm going to shake your hand. All your bouquets are beautiful. I will take each and every one home. But not for these two hours that I have promised my fans. I know that many of them you've been advertising this for a long time. Many of them have taken time out to call in the studio and ask me questions. This would reflect on my professionalism. Therefore, in two hours, ke alawa, iske aage ya piche aapko jo karwana hai karwa liye. And that interview. has stayed with me forever for the last 25 years that is what you call professionalism god knows that in the last 25 years i've seen enough bollywood stars who walk in two hours late who leave within 15 minutes who could not even give you the time of day if it wasn't for their agent nudging them saying no 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 say some nice things na please in that respect amir khan what a phenomenal guy so Vijay Sethupathi dropping out of Lal Singh Chadda not due to date problems but because of weight problems that rumor got so loud that Vijay Sethupathi had to stop dubbing for Tughlaq Darbar which is what he's doing right now and he had to clear the air and make a statement yesterday Vijay Sethupathi said first of all i've always had the highest regard for Amir sir as an actor his selection of roles always inspired me to attempt something different every time when i got to know him personally for Lal Singh Chadda i was even more impressed by his humor ability and his knowledge of cinema just being with him is a learning experience then vijay sethupathi says amir sir personally offered me the role in lal singh chadda he flew down to a small town in tamil nadu where i was shooting to narrate the script for some reason the director advesh chandan couldn't come amir sir came alone he narrated the script stayed overnight in that small town and left the next morning such a big superstar no as and he's marvelous as well as a storyteller the way he narrated the story was mesmerizing i immediately said yes uske baad vijay sethupati kehte hain ki covid happened and it threw all my plans out of the window after the lockdown i had five telugu projects in various stages of production to complete i just couldn't accommodate lal singh chadda in my schedule that is the truth He says I went to Mumbai Amir sir invited me to his home he personally gave instructions to my driver on how to reach his home and he was the perfect host which is said to be clearly completely starry eyed about Amir Khan as you can tell I can never forget his kindness and his knowledge of cinema it would be an honor and a pleasure to work with him sometime in the future then he says I'm very comfortable with my body and my mind whichever project I go into they go with me <laughs> there you go end of story you can put the weighing scales back in the bathroom now please thank you so the big announcement from yashraj arrived last evening the full roster of films in multiple genres all exuding a special hashtag #yrf50 vibe marking the production house's half century which was actually last year but of course last year nothing was the way it was meant to be right so it's all rolled over to 2021 now now i could read out the list that all bollywood fans have seen they have downloaded on their phones just for reference but the big question is why is their biggest film pathan not on this list when will it drop why are they not telling us kab release hogi pathan is it to maintain an aura of mystery and suspense and add to a sense of anticipation or is there more to the story than meets the eye mm. anyway let's have a quick run through on what to expect on friday the 19th of march sandeep or pinky farar अब फरार तो होना ही था इतना लंबा वेट करवाया उनको दिस वाज ओरिजिनली ड्यू आउट लास्ट मार्च रिमेंबर 
On Friday the 23rd of April, Bunty or Bubbly 2. Friday the 25th of June, Shamshera. Friday the 27th of August, Jayesh Bhai Jordar. And finally, Friday the 5th of November, their Diwali sparkler going head to head with the Shahid Kapoor's jersey is going to be Akshay Kumar's Prithvi Raj. So far so good. Now naturally everybody is saying that you know, is Mais list mein Pathan to hai nahi? We know that Shah Rukh is shooting for Pathan. We know that Salman has a cameo. We know that Deepika and John all part of it. We know that they've shot not just out outside the burj khalifa but also inside the burj khalifa so why are they not telling us well the buzz suggests that these guys are going to drop a massively impressive trailer for pathan sometime soon expect the unexpected that's what they are saying aajkal to naubat ye hai ki shahrukh agar koi film kar le na koi bhi film that would be unexpected right now from being an actor to a casting director possibly thinking ki chalo mujhe agar man pasand roles nahi mil rahe hain kam se kam dusro ko to dilwa dun right that is what a casting director does abhishek banerji is by no means the most famous ab in bollywood in fact he could be the fifth best known ab if that after amitab abhishek ash and aradhya all of them ab's right lekin abhishek banerji did take a punt on acting quite earnestly right from his first role in rangde basanti in 2006 followed by no one kills jessica and 10 years on after paying his bills with the money he earned as casting director abhishek banerji got to play hathora tyagi in the much acclaimed thriller patal lok you know kehte hain ki good work a strong work ethic and perseverance these things rarely ever go unrewarded abhishek banerji says patal lok has opened up the floodgates and offers are pouring in every single day his next project a film with tapsi pannu it is titled rashmi rocket watch out for this new ab in town Now this is my most favorite story from the weekend because she was one of the most beautiful, most glamorous, kind, witty, educated, most enchanting princesses in the world. I'm talking about Maharani Gayatri Devi of Jaipur. She was considered a fashion icon as well, fashion royalty. Who can forget those black and white photographs of her and Jacqueline Kennedy when the American first lady visited India in the 60s. Now this glamorous lady with an incredibly adventurous life as a royal, as a politician, as the queen mother to her people, the people of Jaipur, and a staunch supporter of women's rights and education. Her story is finally being made into a biopic by Bhavani Iyer. Now Bhavani Iyer is the lady who wrote the screenplay for Razi, for Lutera, for Black, so you know the story is in good hands. Bhavani Iyer posted on Instagram the other day, it is an incredible pleasure and honor to tell the story of someone so ahead of her times, a leader, an icon of progressiveness, a true feminist and oh, also one of the most beautiful women in the world, the mesmerizing Maharani Gayatri Devi. And there's this amazing bunch of people that I get to know and love on this journey she stacked a whole lot of people who are producing the film making the film apparently only a few weeks ago maharani gayatri devi's grandchildren maharaj devraj singh and rajkumari lalitya they gave their permission for a biopic on their grandmother who sadly passed away in the year 2000 at the ripe old age of 90 after having lived life to the fullest queen size You can catch Shabnam Sahi, the ultimate storyteller, weekdays 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Hey, 
It's me, Anushka Aurora here. Welcome to episode number five of the official Sunrise Radio podcast. Now, this week's guest, she's becoming a little bit of a regular on the show. And I have no complaints about that whatsoever. We last spoke to her about her recently released movie, The White Tiger. Today, we speak to her about her recently released memoir, Unfinished by Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Now, in fact, I'm actually in the middle of reading it. Chapter one is done. It's a little bit of a slow start, but I'm still very, very excited excited to read the rest of it. So here we are in conversation with Brinka Chopra Jonas once again. You know, getting by, doing the best we can. You're doing amazing. You're keeping us really entertained. I can tell you that much. So thank you. It's my job. Trying. <laughs> thank you for bringing the content along. So firstly, I think I've got to congratulate you on the white tiger. I mean, the response to that was so phenomenal. It's right. crazy, but amazing. So well done. As thank always. you so much. Um, now we move on to your book. Uh, it's just a few days away now. Very, very excited about that. I'm going to jump straight into it, Brian, because some of the interviews that I have been watching no, right, of what you have uh, been doing, and you've kind of mentioned that you're a little bit terrified, you're a little bit scared of this book being released, so why so? Well, you know, I've been a public person in Nishka now for almost 20 years, right? And there have been so many things that have been written about me, there have been so many books that have been written about me. But nobody's ever really managed to know who I am. And this is my life on my terms and my voice. And I've always been able to get away with not sharing, you know, my whole self or a lot of myself. Even though I've been in a public profession, I've been very private. I've sort of kept my feelings and um, that side, like my life, my feelings and my emotions very private. But I think now... I just, first of all, I've always wanted to write. Uh, I'm fascinated with writing. I want to continue writing. Um, I've written columns and op-eds and all of those things before. So I decided that I was going to write a book and I, I'm at a place where I'm, you know, confident enough in myself as a woman, as a professional, um, that my past sort of didn't didn't feel as daunting as, as it did when I was going through it. So I just wrote about it as a cathartic experience and, you know, the book turned out to be something I'm very proud of. Was it hard for you to write down everything? Because you've mentioned that, you know, you've been a very private person and you've managed to keep your personal things personal, so to speak. And do you think when you were writing this book, was it hard to write all these feelings out, eventually knowing that this book is going to go out into the world? I didn't write it thinking that at all, actually, because if I would have, I would have never been able to be as honest as I was in the book. Um, I kind of had to pivot in my head and treat it like, um, you know, treat it like a diary, treat it like a journal. So when I came to terms with the fact that, okay, I was actually going to do it, I started with trying to be very careful. I started with, you know, um, just skimming the surface. And then I realized that all the things that I was writing was already out there. Mm. And then I had to get out of my comfort zone. And the only way to do it was to treat it like a journal. So I treated it like a journal. I wrote everything in it. And then I took out a few things, which I felt were too personal mm. and left in the things that, you know, didn't matter anymore or didn't affect me adversely mm-hmm. and that's how it became what it became and what was your reaction after getting like the first draft like of course we know you're <laughs> this book and you put all your feelings down you've taken out stuff you put stuff back in or whatever but you know this is now like the first draft what was your reaction to that 
Oh my gosh, when I first got the first draft of the manuscript, I'll never forget it. You know, I started reading it. I cried, I laughed. Um, I gave it to, you know, my family to read, obviously, because a lot of them are mentioned in it. But I kind of, when I finished the manuscript, I remember very clearly feeling proud of the journey that I had been on. And for the first time probably in my life, I may have patted myself on the back and told my younger self that, you know what? You went through a lot, but you came out on the other side smiling and I'm proud of you. That's what it made me feel. How lovely, how lovely. And you said, you've just mentioned that uh, you gave it to your family, they've read it. Uh, What was Nick's reaction when he read it as well? I was actually really surprised, but he got, he says that he got to know a lot about me through the book, things that obviously him and I, you know, didn't know very much about each other's professional lives when we met. Um, So I think a lot of my journey was something that, um, you know, of my childhood, my upbringing, which I've talked about in a very visceral way. I think it was sort of educational for him. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. And what's one thing that you would love to say to your readers about this book? Well, for the ones who give, first of all, I would like to really implore everyone to give my first attempt at writing a chance, um, you know, and second of all, for those people who do know me, I hope that you get to know me as a human being with this book, like as a person, you know, outside of the bylines or the headlines or the Instagram stories or memes. Um, And for people who don't know me, I hope that, you know, you see that I'm a self-made person who comes from a small town and a very unassuming background. And I built a career on my back um, with my blood, sweat and tears. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. It's just about putting your head down and actually putting in the work. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait for it. I think I should be receiving mine this week. So I'm really excited to read it. Do tell me what you think. Okay. I will do. I will do. Definitely. As always, thank you so much for taking the time out. Always. You always give so much to the media and I love it. Honestly. So thank you. Only the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Nishka. Bye. Bye. Listen to our Bollywood queen, Anushka Aurora, from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. So here we go then, another episode of Paul Shah Talks Bakwas, and I love to talk Bakwas with this person. He is the Prince of Bangra, Mr. Sukhbir. Hello. Bro, so sorry, man. There's a really bad echo going all of a sudden. I'm leaving this in now. Where is there an echo? <laughs> I'm getting it on my like uh, side. I, I don't think you've got it. Can you hear it? I no, I can't hear an echo. It it might be the okay. thoughts running around in your head, the evil thoughts. Ah, that's what they are. I thought it was like like an echo, man. <laughs> You're right. Is it, it? It's my evil thoughts, man. Is it workable, or is it something that we need to start again with? No, no, we can work with this. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's, How well, are you? I'm, I'm still recording, so I'm, we're, we're good. This is all going to go on the podcast. Um, how are you absolutely, doing, fella? Absolutely. Very, very good, man. It's been busy. It's been good after a long break. I guess the break was for everybody, but it's been good. The work has started again, and it's a blessing. Where, it's a blessing. Where are you now? Uh, just landed in Bombay or Mumbai. <laughs> Mumbai. Uh, okay. And the, originally, this interview was supposed to take place when you were in, in Dubai, right? But um, you had to fly out today. 
Yes, yes, that, that's correct. Um, yes. Um, so I just had some work come in and just took the flight and I came down. So sorry. Uh, I think there was a delay of, of, of a couple of hours, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. No problem. I'm used to being late. Yeah. Uh, at least used to you being late. Uh, in fact, you and I have known each other for a very, very long time. But let's get uh, let's get acquainted for those of those uh, people, the, sh- the small amount of people that might not know who you are. Your full name, please, yeah. sir. Sukhbir Singh. Sukhbir Singh. Sukhbir. (laughs) Thank you for the extended version. Your age, please, sir. Uh, uh, 26, the last one I checked. 26? Okay, maybe 28 or something. Okay, no, we're definitely lying right now. Uh, Okay, so this is the way this works. And if you're not happy with this, then you've got to tell me now because we will end the interview straight away. Uh, You have five chances to pass on any question, okay? If I know you're lying, I'm going to call you out on it. Like that age one, I know that you're in your mid-60s. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry, 51. 51, 51. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Okay, and uh, let's start from the very beginning. How did you, uh, and I love this story, and I'll tell you why I love this story. How did you start off doing music? Uh, I started with my dad. So it was a very spiritual journey. He's a priest in the Sikh community. I started playing the keyboards with him. I got spotted and I joined the band as a keyboard player. And then I start, I eventually got into backing vocals. And then they'd give me an odd song here and there. Eventually I met a Gujarati gentleman <laughs> who said, hey, let's uh, record an album. And I said, hey, let's do it. And both of us had no clue what to do. Uh, he said, uh, what should we do? I said, I don't know. What should we do? No, he no, said, no, no, uh, no, you know no. what? No, 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 Mr. Sukhbir. You missed nope. out. You missed out the Hounslow part of your musical journey. Journey. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. So uh, sorry, I thought you meant the professional recording. No, 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 no. Yes. I'm talking about the I, Hounslow part. Is the one I want to hear about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I started off in bands, and bands broke off. Then I started my own, uh, what I was known as a one-man band or a one-man show. So I had keyboards and a drum machine and I sang. Then I came to Hounslow. I performed in a pub there. It was called The African Queen. Yeah! Uh, I was there for about six months and, oh, I loved that, man. That was amazing. Amazing time of my life. Brilliant. And I lived on, on, on top of the pub and I used to come down. I used to serve. I used to sing. I used to eat. I used to cook. I used to dance. Amazing time, man. Yeah. You kept your clothes on there, right? That, man. Uh, yeah, uh, well, mo- most of the time, yes. Yeah, that's good. Most of the time, the clothes were on. Actually, I, I'm a, I'm a kind of, well, I wouldn't say regular, but I'm probably at the African Queen in Hounslow probably about uh, once every two or three months. Um, and I tell them, because mm. every time I seem to go, there seems to be a new owner, but I tell them every time I go there that Sukhbir, you, he started off his musical journey here, uh, which um, yes, a lot of them did, yes, not, yes. did not know. <laughs> a lot of them did not know. <laughs> Oh my God, I remember buying speakers, you know, uh, for, for the show, the mixer, we, we bought all that with, with the owner, and I'd gone shopping, we got the whole system, setting it up, the mics, wiring, and you know, oh my God, it was amazing, man, great time, I had a fantastic time, and yes, yes, you're right, many, many uh, owners, uh, it exchanged hands a lot of times, even while I was there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so, um, here's a question for you. Do you remember the last time that you were in my bedroom with me? Awkward yes. pause. I remember. I you, remember. You remember. Do you, I want, just, do, you, do you want me to? Do you want me to say all? 
You can, you know what? That's fine because I, I did warn you on WhatsApp before we started this that, that there's no holds barred, and you said you were fine with this. So we're gonna absolutely. Mo- we're gonna move I on to passion that. fruit in a minute. But do you remember <laughs> the last time? You can remember the last time you were actually in my bedroom. Uh, yes, I do. I actually remember that vaguely, but I remember that. Uh, I think we'd come to get some cables or something, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Leave my cable out of it, mate. Uh, what, so what it was is that I was an aspiring producer at the time and I had my studio and it used to be in my bedroom. And I'll always remember this because you, you, it was you and me in my bedroom and it was quite late at night and my parents were sleeping in the next room. Ah, Do you yeah, remember yeah, this? Yeah, 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 I remember that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Was this in Wembley or, or what was the area? In Harrow, in Harrow. Uh, hero, 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 hero. It was yeah. just down there because you used to live in Kenton, so it's just, it wasn't far from where you lived, do you remember? Yeah, I remember that now. I remember, oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I think I even remember the track we were working on, man. I remember you were doing something with the Taz of Stereo Nation, and then yep. we, were, we were working on a couple of vibes, and you were really good back then, man. Now, I don't know what happened. Oh, I'm rubbish now, honestly. I, I mean, I might, I might do... <laughs> I was rubbish then, but I'm even more rubbish now. But um, but who knows? I oh, might no, do no, something no, no, in the future. No. Oh, my God. Uh, just for information, Taz and myself are big fans of your production, bro. And if possible, I'd like to do a track with you, man. So just keep that uh, at the Send, back of your mind. You know what? Send me some vocals. We'll do it. No problem. I've still got my studio and everything. I've still got my studio. Okay. Um, okay, cool, cool. So when 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 I when I did have my studio at a proper place, well, I use I use the term proper. It was in a little warehouse, if you remember. Uh, we used to take little breaks. Um, just before we tell yes. the the story about the breaks, are you a vegetarian or a non-vegetarian? I'm a vegetarian. Have you always been a vegetarian? No, I was a hardcore non-vegetarian. I've eaten crocodile, oh. I've eaten zebra. Maybe a giraffe. In fact, you, you, um, so we used to, we used to go out. It was in Rainer's Lane in Harrow and we used to go to Club 2000. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that very well. And the only Club time, 2000, yes. And the only time that a Gujarati ever said to you, I'll pay the bill. And you said, no, 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 no. And then what happened when the bill came? Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> how much was, do you remember how much a pint of passion juice each when you have four of them is? Two each. <laughs> was it five quid a pop or something? It was five pound a pint of passion. So Sukhbir and I were in this restaurant. Where it's like a little club. Um, mixed grills around. Um, pint of passion each times two. So that's four. And that's five pounds each. And we're going back to what? Sort of like maybe the early, uh, the mid, uh, late 90s, I think it was, wasn't it? Late 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. 20 pounds. That's a lot of money, man. That was a, that lot, was of a money, lot of money, dude. I just That's saw your face pounds. drop. It was brilliant. <laughs> when you got, no, 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 bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay the bill. <laughs> That's the only time a Gujarati's ever going to say to you, Sukhbir, that I'm going to pay the bill, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you, know, do you know what I just remembered? Hey, Shah Rukh Khan was in that warehouse studio. He was in the, yes, yes, yes. Um, Shah Rukh Khan himself came down to record some vocals or something of, of that back yep. then, if you remember. Yeah, that's Is absolutely that right. Or not. Yeah, so the film Chalte Chalte, which he was in uh, with Rani Mukherjee, that was actually dubbed. Yes. I dubbed that. I don't think I was any, any credit in there, but I dubbed all the swear words out. Um, I've actually still got all the swear oh. words and everything. I've still got the original version. It was never released. Oh, my God. You could, you could release that, man. Just like a... Like a private thing on YouTube or somewhere, man. You'll make a lot of money. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've still got. I've still got it. I've still got it. It's still there. Um, okay. So if you okay, weren't, cool. if you weren't in the music business, what would you be doing? I think I'd be a commercial airline pilot. I seem to remember. Yeah, you were pi- You were piloting, weren't you? Yes, I was learning. Uh, I did eighteen hours on a Cessna C one hundred and fifty. I think that was the plane. Single, single engine, single propeller. Uh, you. You and I would probably not fit in that plane, man. <laughs> you calling me fat, dude? <laughs> you, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of big. I'm kind of big, man. You, I mean, you're a really very, you're a very tall gentleman. Very tall gentleman. Yeah. That, I'm tall, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, uh, it was L Street, the aerodrome in L Street. If I remember. Uh, yeah. I did 18 hours there. Yes, yes, yep, yes. That's yep. the one. I know it. So yes, if I wasn't a singer, a musician, I wouldn't be a pilot. You'd be a pilot. Okay. Your favorite foods. Gonna be something good dry, isn't it? Uh I love good food, man. No doubt about dal, bath, sat, itli, to tegyo, man, undio, teplo. Oh my god. I know more Gujarati food names than you do. This is true. In fact, you're you're the most Gujarati Punjabi guy that I actually know, to be perfectly honest with you. You could your Gujarati is fluent, mine is average. Yeah, yours below average, but I'll give it an average. Yes. Uh <laughs> yeah, man, I grew up with Gujaratis. All my friends in Kenya and Nairobi, they're all Gujaratis. They speak better Punjabi than I do, and I speak better Gujarati than they do. Okay. Uh, can you cook? That's how it was. Yes, I can. What can you cook? Well, well, I thought I could cook, but then I was known, I became known as this one masala guy. Uh, the guy who makes one masala and then throws in whatever they want to eat. It could be pasta, uh it, it, could, it could have been chicken back in the day when I was cooking non-veg. Uh, it could be dal, it could be rice. And it all tasted the same. <laughs> Fair enough. Even but the rice tasted the I same came, as the dal, did it? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Everything was just the same. And then later on, I, I changed that. I changed that. And, and now, yes, I can cook. I can make a half-decent meal. Okay, fair enough. Um, how, many, how many kids do you have? I have... Two kids, which are known. Which two are? known kids. Two? I have twins. You have twins? I have twins, which I know of. Which you knew of. And what about the ones that you don't know of? Are you, any suspicions there? No, 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 no. I'm okay, man. Yeah, All okay. good. All good there, bro. God, so I, I wish... Twins, uh, they're, they're, they're a boy and a girl. They're six years old. Wonderful. Congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, married? Thank you. Married, yes. Okay. Do you remember the last time that you were in a car with me and your wife? Uh, no, I don't actually. No. Dubai. Can you remind me. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that I'm gonna, is a very long time. Oh my god. I'm going to I'm going to try and test time. your memory now, but you you and your wife and myself and yeah, uh, went to the premiere of a film in Dubai. Do you remember the name of the film or who starred in the film? Mm. No, I'm afraid I don't, man. Kevin Costner? It was a really oh. bad film. It was a really bad film. I actually don't remember that, man. Seriously. Was it Waterworld or something? No. 
he wasn't. I, I, you know, I can't remember the name of it. I was actually hoping you could tell me because I can't remember it. It was a really, really rubbish film. But the um, the, the whole premise was that he was, a, uh, I think he was a, a lifeguard or something. Does, uh, that, does that ring yeah, any yeah, bells yeah, to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I remember like like glimpses from the film, but I can't remember the name. Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. It was, it was, quite, for, it was quite forgettable, to be fair. Um, what is your yeah, favorite? Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite collaboration that you've done to date? I think it's got to be the one with Arjun. Uh, just completed the track and released in Nachti, and that was amazing. Man. I mean, I've been a big fan of Arjun since he did uh, Soup Soup with Guru Randava, and I thought, hey, yeah, it'd be great to get him on the track, man. And he was very, very sweet, very easy to work with, and extremely nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, and good way to plug your yeah. new record, by the way, as well. Well done. Um, yeah. Who, who would Quite you? Um, who <laughs> would you? Who out of the people that you've worked with would you never, ever, ever want to work with again, apart from me? Uh, to be very honest, I haven't worked with a lot of people. Uh, you haven't seen a lot of collaborations uh, uh, happening. Uh, the one big one was uh, the remake of my track Soda Kara Kara with Diljeet. But then nowadays collaboration, there's no interaction. There's no human interaction. You just send your vocals, and they send their vocals, and so. Okay. I I, I can't answer that question. In the sense, I, I there's nobody I dislike that I do not want to work with. I'm okay. I'm okay. Good. I'm okay. good there. Let, let me ask you a different way then. Who from their reputation that you've not met would you never want to work with in the Asian music industry? Apart from me. Hmm. No, I can't think of anybody, man. I can't you know, think of anybody. the thing is, you you on interview you're so squeaky no, clean. But if I if I release half not. of our WhatsApp conversations, people will go, "What? Look at that link! <laughs> Look at the link that you just sent before this interview. You sent me a link. By the way, that is a really poor site to go to for that kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I can send you so many more better links, Mister Sukbeer. Okay, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me what I'm missing out, man. I mean, I can't think of anybody I would not want to work with, man. No? In the in the industry, no, no, I can't. Tell me, throw, throw some names. Okay. Um, Sonny Leone. Ooh. You'd have to take me with you, her. mate. No way, bro. Absolutely no way. Why would I take you? Because you're married. And you're not? Oh, you're sorry. You're, you're <laughs> changing your situation. <laughs> I'm changing my situation. That's a polite way to put it. Yes, I'm, my, my marital situation is changing, which means, by the way, I'm going to be single soon. So, yes, you can take me oh. with you. Okay, cool. Done. 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 I'll take you, man. There I'll you take you with me. Sorry, no. Leonie, I would love to. In fact, I've been in talks with her. And for uh, a possible collaboration. Sort it out. Mm, I'll let you know privately. Okay. Send me, uh, and I'll, I'll send you some <laughs> other websites as well. Um, okay. And sure, 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 sure. Here's the one. So you don't, you're doing really well. You've not passed on any questions, which um, I thought you might do about the meat, but you haven't done it yet, which is good. Um, when was the last time that you were in a punch-up and what happened? a very long time back uh, during my drinking days uh, in Nairobi I was driving and some 
I think there's some locals uh, in Nairobi who were driving very, uh, very nicely, and they were, and we were like very uh, irrational, uh, <laughs> dangerous driving, I think, and we didn't like the way they were driving, like orderly. You know, that wasn't the dumb thing. Yeah. Um, so yes, we. Uh, I, I was driving. I, I cut the car up, and uh, we got up, and it, we had a bit of a situation there. Uh, when was this last week? Very, very. Oh no, man! No, I. I don't get into situations. This was back in the day when we were like late teens, man. Uh, I have. I hadn't even gotten into singing yet, so it was a very long time. Wow. I'm a very diplomatic person. I, I, I would rather uh, not get, let the situation get to that. Yeah, you seem you seem like a bit of a Michael Jackson. I'm a lover, not a fighter. One of those ones. No, not at all. No, no, no. I mean, when it comes to fighting, you're Punjabi, man. You, you, if, some, if you see any, any wrong happening, you have to write it. So no fear there. But it's just that if uh, with dialogue you can resolve the situation, I would rather choose that. Okay, fair enough. Um, and uh, how would you like to be remembered in a hundred years' time? Uh, bro, the guy who just gave us some nice music, man. Dude, can yeah, you give us a love simple, song or two, simple. please? Yeah, it's coming up next week, uh, Valentine. Uh, so watch this space, bro. It's going to be out. Uh, it's part of a film. Well, don't don't and, say next week because uh, we're recording this one ahead of time, so it might come out in a week or so. So Valentine's will be done by then. So you might as well plug it then. Uh, okay. So uh, coming up with a new track called Bay uh, Vajar, and it's uh, from the film Switch um, uh, on Eros. Uh, very excited about this because it's a genre I'm not uh, known for. Um, it's a love stroke heartbreak song. Okay, sounds good. And. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the title is Bevaja, the film Switch, and it's on Eros. Well, look, I cannot wait to see you again. Um, hopefully when you're in London, um, I found a great yeah. Kenyan Kuroga place that you and I can go to here in London. Um, so, you know, you, you've done... Oh. Kid, oh, but you don't eat meat. Oh, you ruin the whole no, no, thing no, with your vegetables. Them, uh, just ask them if they do paneer. They do paneer, but the thing is, is that you've got to get a whole new karoga for that because we're going to be cooking meat and then you're going to have your paneer sat in the corner by yourself. Ah, uh, yeah. Sorry, bro. You know, bend the Don't rules. worry, I'll make my... I, I'll cook next to you and we'll eat together, bro. It, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do I something. I mean, it's more important to just spend time together. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, it was great catching up with you. Obviously, COVID and everything's uh, taken over last year and, and possibly now most of this year. So we, uh, it's great to be back in touch with you after such a long time. Um, please give my regards to your, your kids and your, and your lovely wife as well. And uh, hopefully, God bless, we, we will have, uh, God willing, we'll have uh, a catch up in person real soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing you, bro. Thank you so very much for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you in real life, man. Just just to make it clear that you've been in my bedroom, but I've never had you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not going to change anytime soon. Sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah. And is there anything you want to ask me before you go? Because <laughs> we, we've known each other for a long time. Is there anything you want to ask me before you go? Yeah, come to Dubai, man. I really want to spend Dude, some more time, man. You know yeah, I can't come to Dubai. In your little studio. Dude. That's you... why I'm saying that. So that's why I'm saying it. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually one of these people that I'm barred from Dubai. Oh, is it just the way you look or is it something you did? Something I did. Uh, okay, okay. No, no problem. Look, um, hopefully when things are better, I should be coming into that part of the world. Yeah, good. And I look forward to, spread, to seeing you. But before that, really, I'm very serious about the track, man. Let's work on something together. I'm going to send you some vocals. Send it to me. What you can do with it. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got my email yeah, address. Yeah. Send me something. Yeah. We'll do something. But listen, um, as always, someone that I've always had a lot of love and respect for, um, quite simply because in this uh, music industry, when I was a kid starting out, not really, not very many people gave me the time of day, but you did, sir. So hats off to you. Um, a big uh, hug and a kiss to you. You know how we are. Uh, but listen, you look after yeah. yourself and have a good time in Mumbai. Love to the family. And thank you for talking thank Bakwas you. with Paul Shah. My, my pleasure, bro. Thank you. Thank you so very much, man. Wish you all the very best, bro. You too, bro. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. If you like a dry sense of humour, listen to Paul Shah on Drive weekdays between 4pm and 7pm. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I spoke to Dan Jarvis, a Labour MP for Barnsley Central and Mayor of the Sheffield City region, about Sakir Starmer's speech earlier this week on the economy and how it signalled that the second stage of his leadership is now underway and he's presenting his vision for the future. I asked, how do you respond to allegations, particularly those of the Northern Research Group, which is made up of Northern Conservative MPs, who say that this vision is remarkably similar to the one that this Conservative government has already laid out? Well, I wouldn't agree with their assessment. I think what we saw from Keir this week was a very significant contribution for how our country should be as we come out of the pandemic. I think it's born out of a desire not to go back to where we were, but to do things differently and better in the future. And actually, if you look at the detail of the policy measures that Keir was talking about, I think it signals a fundamental difference, not just of policy with the current government, but also in approach. So I very much welcome the contribution that he's made and look forward to hearing more from Keir in, in the weeks and months to come. In his speech, he called for immediate support at next month's budget to help secure the economy for families and business, including reversing planned cuts to universal credit, benefiting six million families by £1,000 a year. However, a few weeks ago, I interviewed Paul Scully, Conservative MP and Minister for Small Businesses, Consumers and Labour Markets. He said that it would cost the government an extra £6 billion per year to sustain the extra £20 per week increase to the universal credit. Where does your party plan to find the money to sustain that increase? I think if you look at what's actually happening on the ground, look at the impact that COVID is having on families and businesses, we're seeing an unprecedented upheaval. It's tearing the heart, the soul out of communities right across the country. And that's why I think the budget next month is a really important opportunity for the government to signal that it understands the economic pain that's being felt right around the country. So I think measures like reversing the planned £20 cut in universal credit, reversing the key worker pay freeze um, announcement, and ensuring that providing councils have the funding they need to prevent huge rises in council tax, which we will likely otherwise see. These are precisely the right measures, given the economic pressures that businesses, that communities, that families are under. So I think Keir's analysis is right. The government does need to do much more. We all remember that the Chancellor, seems like a long time ago, said he would do whatever it takes. We're not out of the woods yet, and the economic 
economic headwinds are still being felt. And that's why I think the government, through the budget, need to take all necessary means to protect our economy and ensure the basic survival of businesses and workers around the country. Do you accept that this Conservative government really has done a lot more than, you know, it's been unprecedented times, but the amount of money that they have been giving out with the furlough, the extra additional £20 with universal credit, and that the reason the country's been able to act at the scale that it has is with the extra £280 billion worth of support for the economy and public services. It is because this Conservative government has been putting a lot more in. Does that make it difficult for the Labour government then to be saying, well, the government needs to be doing more, when actually this government has done so much more than ever expected in any other Conservative government? I think the point I would make is that we still have a long way to go to come out of the pandemic and then begin the process of rebuilding the other side. So this is not the moment for the government to take their foot off the pedal. We have seen unprecedented levels of government investment going to our economy. That's been the right to do. But I think the government need to continue ensuring that that support is available. I know as the mayor here in South Yorkshire, the impact that the virus is having on our businesses and our communities. They are under massive pressure. And therefore, when we hear from the Prime Minister tomorrow, what we need to get from him is a sense that he understands the pain that is being felt around the country. And whether he does it tomorrow or whether it's done in the budget in a couple of weeks' time, what we need to see are necessary, urgent measures that are required for our economy. Because if we don't, the real risk is that we'll come out of the pandemic more divided than we went into it. And I don't think that anybody wants to see that. So I think it's absolutely right that Keir and others are making the case for what they want to see in the in the government's budget and actually the importance of the need for economic investment coming to support our businesses and our workers. I do want to come to that levelling up and divide because, as you mentioned, you are in South Yorkshire. But I just want to touch on there that one thing that Sir Keir Starmer said is that he's pro-business and ta- taking almost, one could call it, a new Labour approach to recovery. But on the other hand, he's calling for greater government intervention. I wondered if that was slightly contradictory and how that works together, if you could explain. And that actually he was calling on, he basically said that people would prefer more government intervention. They would like the government to be more involved and you've mentioned this, it's not the time to take your foot off the pedal and people still need that economic help post-pandemic. But maybe people don't want as much intervention and want to get on with their lives. And actually, there's been furlough. And as I said, there's been that extra universal credit. And now people just want to get back to their business. I think there's a balance to be struck between accepting that that the system as it is at the moment is flawed and unfair. Most people in our country don't feel that they've really got a stake in our economy and that their economy works for them. So I think there is an acknowledgement from Keir that that is the case, but also an acknowledgement that any government needs to work closely with the private sector and with businesses. Businesses are wealth and job creators, and at every single level of government, local, regional and national, you have to work closely with the business sector, as I do as the mayor here in South Yorkshire. 
And I think what Keir was talking about is that acknowledgement that there is obviously a dynamic and hugely significant role for national government. But that is part of the partnership, working with a range of different organisations, which includes the private sector. So I think what he was saying is basically just common sense that most people will recognise, because I think it is also important that the Labour Party demonstrates to the private sector and to the business community that we want to work closely with them, because we do. And the reality is the nature of the economic challenge that we find ourselves facing at the moment will require many, many years of investment from national government, working closely with the private sector. We've got to do everything that we can, both to protect and safeguard those jobs that already exist, but also to think about how we can create new good jobs for the future. And in order to do that, you've got to have that close working relationship with the business community. And I think that's what Keir was signalling that he wants to achieve. Is it a new Labour? I mean, it seems it sounds very different to the Jeremy Corbyn times. I think it is a different approach from what we've seen in recent years. But I think it is an approach that is rooted in an understanding of the nature of our economy. You've got to have the public and the private sector working very closely together. I think Keir and his team acknowledge that. I also think that business as usual just isn't going to work. You know, given the scale and the nature of the challenge that we face, we've got to think about how we do things differently and better in the future. And I think as leader of the opposition, Keir has brought forward a set of ideas which had a significant amount to that debate. Clearly, we all have a vested interest at the moment in the government succeeding. We want to see the rollout of the vaccine go as well as it possibly can do. But we also need to think about the longer term consequences that the pandemic is having on our country. And my great fear is that at the moment we're being leveled down. Those areas that were more deprived are being leveled down as a consequence of the impact of of lockdown and COVID. And that's why we need a long term economic plan that will rejuvenate our economy, but in a slightly different way. It's not about having a bigger economy. It's about having a better economy. And I think Keir's speech set out how a future Labour government would seek to deliver that. I want to come on to that because as a Northern MP and Mayor of Sheffield City Region, how do you think the country should be levelled up after the pandemic? What's your roadmap and what's your vision? It's a very important question. We've heard a lot from the government about levelling up. And if the government is serious about levelling up the country, and it isn't a north-south divide thing, because there are huge areas of deprivation in the south of England as well. But if the government want to be taken seriously, they need a proper plan to level up the country, and we haven't seen that yet. That needs to be matched by long-term investment, but on a transformational scale. My worry is that we've spent quite a lot of time kind of sort of tinkering around the edges with all of this, whilst at the same time inequality continues to, to get worse and actually those areas that were more deprived and had greater economic challenges will be further disadvantaged by the experience of COVID. So the government needs to work very closely with local authorities and with regional mayors like myself. They need to bring forward a proper plan and the investment to, to underpin it and that's the only way in which we're going to see a, a significant levelling up of the country. I think the other thing I would say about levelling up and people talk a lot about it is it's not just about infrastructure. You know, the tend to focus on railway line and investment in our transport infrastructure and that is incredibly important but for me leveling up is much broader than just transport infrastructure it's about investing in our people it's about reducing health inequalities it's about making sure that every kid that goes to school gets the best opportunities in life and if the government are really serious about leveling up they'll bring forward a plan that will enable that kind of transformational activity but we haven't seen it yet and finally what do you make of your leader, Sir Keir Starmer? Polls show that he's less popular than Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock. What do you make of him? What do you think? Well, 
I've known Keir Starmer for a number of years. I think he's an incredibly decent, very bright, passionate leader. Being the leader of the opposition is sometimes described as being the hardest job in politics. It is incredibly difficult, even in normal circumstances. He's found himself um, taking over a Labour Party after a very, very difficult election defeat at a point of national crisis. So it is impossible to imagine of more challenging circumstances that he could possibly have in- inherited. Under those most difficult circumstances, I think he's done an incredibly good job in terms of getting the Labour Party back on the long road to power and striking the right balance between both supporting the government where he's able to do so, but at the same time holding them to account. And I think perhaps his greatest achievement in the year or so that he's been the leader of the, op- uh, the opposition is that increasingly people do look and think that he is a credible Prime Minister in waiting. And that's a really important achievement for the leader of the opposition. So it's been hard going. He's inherited a very challenging set of circumstances. Do you, I just want to... I think he's done really well. I just wonder, do you think it's been harder because, and I know we've spoken about this, but has it actually been harder for him because the Conservative government has been dishing out money? You know, Rishi Sunak's had this furlough scheme, he's had the winter Covid plan, and they've been there every step of the way, trying to give people money and help businesses, and they've slashed, you know, the stamp duty and business rates, and they've put all these measures in place. Do you think it's been harder for Sakir in that sense? Because actually, this is a Conservative government that has been giving people money. And and also, uh, on the holding the government to account, a poll shows that people think actually Marcus Rashford holds the government to account better than Sakir Starmer. I'm always slightly cautious about making comparisons with what happened in the Second World War. But I, I think there is a comparison in the sense that this is a moment of national crisis. All of us are invested in it. All of us have a stake in wanting the government to actually succeed, to make the right decisions, get things right, to get the vaccine rolled out. And I think Keir has found himself having to kind of balance the need to both support the government where he's able to do so, but at the same time, and we saw this in the speech that he delivered the other day, hold them to account and actually point out where they're falling short. Let's be clear about the fact that this has been very difficult for the government. They've got some things right, they've got some things wrong. But I think what we've seen from Keir Starmer is a process of, of getting the Labour Party on a much more sustainable footing than it was previously. I think sensibly he picks his moments in terms of the interventions that he makes. Anybody who watches Prime Minister's questions as I do on a Wednesday will see that he absolutely takes Boris Johnson to the cleaners every single week. Now, I know not everybody watches that and not everyone will make a decision about the future based on Prime Minister's questions. Under those most difficult circumstances, I think Keir has had a very strong first year as leader. But clearly, of course, what you want to do is build on that, develop the policies with more detail and actually get out as much as he possibly can because of course he hasn't had the opportunity to travel around the country in a way that I know he would have liked so I I think people should listen to what he's got to say understand the huge commitment that he has to transforming our country over the longer term and certainly from my point of view I've been very impressed by the performance that he's made over the past year or so MP Jarvis thank you so much for speaking to me this morning my pleasure Tune in every Sunday, 10am to 12 noon, for Anila Dami on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. Listening to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor, me, Amit Soda. Right, I have my single person ready to get flirty at eight thirty. So, what's going to happen right now? I'm going to ask the single person some questions. And, ladies, if you like the sound of this gentleman, maybe I can put you both in touch. And who knows? We could have our first sunrise 
wedding. So I'd like to welcome right now uh, Simran from Woodgreen. Simran, welcome to the show, mate. Hello, mate. Hey, good to be on. Uh, do you know what? you are? I have to say, it's so good to get a guy doing this. You are so brave. So, firstly, I want to give you a massive shout-out because it's very rare for guys to do this. So, you are a brave soldier and you are the man. So, ladies, take note. This is a man who's willing to put himself out there, put himself in the spotlight. So, I want you to pay attention, right? So, welcome, dude. Uh, pleasure to have you on board. First things first, right? Tell everyone, just say your name, where you're from, just one thing about yourself, anything. Um, my name is Simranjit. I'm from North London, obviously. Been living here for what, about 38 years. Awesome. All right, cool. No, I'm going to ask you three specific questions now. And I want you to get flirty at 8.30 with all the ladies out there, right? Oh. Really let your stuff shine, all right? Cool. Whatever you said was very true. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, be I brave. Think, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I think every word of that was completely true. You you put yourself out there. That's all that matters. And you know what? I know 100 people out there that wouldn't even think of it. They'll be like, I'm too scared. I'm too scared. <laughs> no, no offense to them, but I really think it's important to just do it anyway. Right. So I'm going to ask cool. you three very important questions about yourself, Go right? Okay, so we want to know, so I want you to tell me exactly the kind of person who you think would be your soulmate. So what is it in another person that you look for that you think is very important to you and in a relationship? Uh, I'd definitely say honesty and uh, a very simple, you know, simple living, but high thinking, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I like that. Very true. And very, yeah, that's it. I think you said the most important things there for sure. All right, cool. So second question for you. Tell us one fun, quirky thing about yourself. Like what makes you a unique human being that no other person on earth has? Well, I like to run. I can probably run every day if I could too and keep myself fit and healthy. Um, Yeah. And to be honest, I think everybody else, a lot of people are not honest, you know. Yeah. Nice. Nice to speak to a fellow runner as well. I'm doing the marathon again this year as well, and I can't wait to do it. I'm going to start my training very, very soon. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I love running as well. I haven't done it since I got my puppy because he's just been taking up all my time. But uh, I've, I've got the same problem. <laughs> I've got the same problem. They take up so much of your time. I've got a border collie that snaps at me when I start running. And he's, like, <laughs> he's about 18 months. I had a dog before for 18 years, and he passed before. Wait, Put does he does he snap at your ankles when you do that when you run? Yeah. Yes, mine does as well. <laughs> mine just snaps at my ankle all the time when I'm lying down, and my mum finds it okay. She's when he's about he's about seven, and he have a puppy like this. <laughs> but okay, it's just normal behaviour. But thanks God that he's too nice, calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my, I couldn't live without. I couldn't live without a dog, mate. No, me too, mate. Me too. Mine's five months, so he does that thing, right? And but he also does it to other dogs. Like if we're walking with other dogs, he's a little Maltese, Monty the Maltese. I do Adventures of Monty every week as well. Uh, he's a beautiful little Maltese. He's got the most of all the Maltese's I've seen. He's genuine, got a really good owner. Oh, he honestly, and he really is just like me, like personality wise. But he. Yeah. has got the most beautiful coat you will ever they take see. a lot of time, don't they? As you just said. Yeah. They take a lot of your time up. Ladies, can I just say, also take note, <coughs> this gentleman right here is an animal lover. That says a lot about the, uh, a guy as well, I say. So listen, one fun other question for you as well to finally answer. So you've told us a lot about yourself and what you're looking for. And you, uh, you obviously value honesty, right? So you want someone who's going to be very authentic when they show up. But I'm going to ask you yeah. a very simple question now, just a fun question, that if you were on a date, let's say a first date, right? Uh, yeah. First time you're meeting this person. Now, would you... Either and it's got to be either or. Would you per- take the person chocolates or flowers? Which do you think is better for a first date? Uh, personally, I think they're both cheesy. 
um, so if you do an alternative then if you think they're cheesy and you did an alternative what would you do well, something that would last because flowers and chocolates they don't last that too long so <laughs> i would definitely give someone that would last you know in their in their mind uh something useful probably what offer oh, a tricky question but what to bring perfume i'll probably say perfume like a perfume oh nice okay yeah. cool that's I'll, something i'll different. probably replace it with one of them because at least, you know, if, it goes, if the date goes either way, they've got something to remember you by. Yeah, no, very true. Very... You, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, 100%. I know exactly what you mean. That is so good, mate. I love that. I love that. So, uh, okay, there you go, ladies. We have a gentleman who's bared his soul here. And what I, I'm going to ask all the ladies to do out right out there right now, all the single ladies, not the married ladies. Look, I know there's a lot of married ladies out there going, yeah, I'll have a piece of him as well. No, no, married ladies. No, not allowed. <laughs> this is for all the single ladies out there. If you like what you heard in Simran there, I want you to reach out to me. Drop me a WhatsApp right now. 07925 700 272. I will put you both in touch and I want us to have the first ever sunrise wedding. I want to be there right at the front hosting your wedding, being the MC. I did a wedding last year and it was so much fun and I would love to do it again as well. Get everyone to say their vows, you know, vows and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Simran, can I just say as well, like if you did meet someone through sunrise, would you hire me to be your wedding MC and your wedding host and to conduct the wedding as well? Listen, you will be the first one there. I'm, a good, I'm quite a good friend with a quite good friend with B21 too and Bally I'm sure you and him will probably crack on. Sweet, let's day, do it. All night long. Yeah, bring, bring it on, mate. Bring it on, absolutely. Listen, I want to say, um, Simran, you've been an absolute star, a true gentleman. I think you are setting a huge example. And I'm not just saying this lightly. Honestly, setting an example. Ladies out there, uh, I, I almost don't know how you're single, but I understand also as well that you are a top guy. So you probably wait. A lot yeah. I don't know, but, but I think you're a top guy and you're probably waiting for the right ladies. So, so ladies out there, this is a gentleman, a true gentleman. So reach out, connect with me, and I will pay you both up. So single ladies, don't waste this opportunity. And I want to say thank you again, dude. You are an absolute superstar for being brave and coming up and just telling everyone about who you are. Welcome. Uh, you start. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Love Lounge with The Love Doctor, me, Amit Soda. It is time for the couples game. And I've got an amazing couple joining me right now. I've got to give a massive shout out to Priti and Sanjeev in Manchester. Welcome, guys. How are you? All right, cool. Welcome, you guys. This is Priti and Sanjeev. They're from Manchester. Now, you guys have been together quite a long time, right? How long have you been together? Uh, 20 years. So, 20 years together. How long have you actually been married? Uh, 14. Okay, cool. That could end tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> now, I'm teasing. It's not going to happen. Don't worry. So what I would love for you to do is decide, right, who is going to be the first one answering the questions and who is going to be the one who's going to be doing the guessing? I think we know each other equally well, so you can choose. No, no. It's entirely up to you guys. I mean, who wants to sleep All on right. the so- sofa tonight, really, is the big question. Um, you go first, Angela. Okay, then I'll go first. Oh, good. Okay, so this is the guy doing it, and the lady's got a guess. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in that case, Priti, would you leave the room so that you cannot hear what Sanjeev yes. is saying? Yes, I'm leaving now. All let's do this. Let's do this. Let's play the couples game, the couples challenge. How well do you know your partner? All right, Sanjeev, uh, is Priti mm. out of the room, and she cannot hear what you're saying, correct? She can't hear me, okay? Perfect. She always tries to guess, but, you know... Now I'm feeling that, you know, people say nobody knows what we even want. What do they know? 
But let's try. Let's try. Let's try, right? Absolutely. Let's You've got try. nothing to lose at all. Nothing to nothing. lose, right? All right. So, a qu- first question for you then, Sanjeev, right? So, question number one. What is uh-huh. your favourite, favourite naughty snack? Snack? Yeah. Like, uh, do you like maybe crisps, chocolate, bhajia, samosa? What's your favourite naughty snack? Oh, okay. I will say that. Lamb. Lamb chops. Lamb chops. Oh, nice. I wonder if she's going to get that right. Okay, cool. Question two. Your favourite song or music artist? If you want to make it easy, you could just say maybe the favourite artist. But if there's a particular favourite song, what would it be? I, as I said before, it's I'm a Nice, nice. And of course, I've got that song lined up for you next as well. All right, cool. So is that your favourite of all time? I always liked it. I'm a bit of an old man, you see. <laughs> No, you're not. You're a young soul. No, you're not. Well, well, young <laughs> Question three for you, Sanjeev. Um, mm-hmm. What is one thing that is on your bucket list? Um, I think one thing which I would like to do. Um, there's so many things I like to do. This is really confusing. What's and What's at the I, top of that list, though? Like, for example, perhaps you've never seen the pyramids. You want to go see the pyramids, or you want to go see the Northern Lights, or something like that. What's the thing that's at the top of your bucket list? Um, mm, uh, it's a really difficult question, but um, okay, I would say to have a Bihari restaurant. You know, have you know there's a state called Bihar in India? Yeah. So, a Bihari restaurant in United Kingdom. Uh, what, what, hang on a minute, Bihari restaurant, did you say? Restaurant, yeah. We have Chinese, we have this, we have that, but we wanted authentic ah. Bihari restaurant. Oh, that's going to be a tough one for her to guess. All right, but we're going to say that one. Let's see. Let's see what she says, see if she can guess that one. All right, question mm. four. What is the best holiday destination that you have both been on? Okay, that's Prague, I think. Oh, good choice. Oh, sorry, I will change, change it. New Zealand. Ah, nice. Okay, cool. I've, I love Prague as well, but New Zealand I've never been to, but I've heard it's yeah, absolutely but, uh, beautiful. Yeah. And last but not least, your favourite film of all time. Maybe Hollywood, maybe Bollywood, maybe something else. Your favourite film of all favorite time. Favourite movie? Um, it's always... Nice. I think the couple last week also said the same one, or is the one before that? So I just want to confirm one thing. When you said on your bucket list a Bihari restaurant in London, that's yeah. something you want to do, or something you would like to happen? No, I always wanted to have a restaurant. So you okay. want to open a Bihari least, restaurant yeah. in London? Yeah, All right. Yeah, something in you know, the Dabba and something in Desi, you know. Yes. But you know, we have lots of Dabbas and Desi things. Wanted to start something really different. Perfect. So that I I love it. All right, you've answered all five questions. I've got it all written down. Get Preeti back in the room. Let's call her in. Come on, Preeti. Come on. Give me three seconds. No worries. All right, while she comes back, uh, we we asked uh, Sanjeev five questions, and Preeti is going to see if she can answer what Sanjeev has said to these questions to see how well she knows her partner. Apparently, they both said to me when they're on the phone, they both said, yeah, we know each other really well. We know each other really, really well. But... Uh, how well do they actually know each other? So, yeah, hi, I'm here. Hello, Brithi. Okay, welcome back. Okay, now I have to admit, your husband gave some tricky answers to this, all right? So I think he's not made this very easy for you. So I'm going to say sorry in advance, it's not my fault. But anyway, I'm going to ask you the same five questions I asked to Sanjeev, and you're going to give me the answers you think he gave, okay? Okay, yeah. Question one. I asked Sanjeev, I said, what is his favourite naughty snack? Now, it could have been anything. It could be crisps. It could be samosa. It could be chocolate. It could be absolutely anything. What do you think he said? 
Um, he actually gave more of a type of food than a snack, but just as a hint. Oh, so okay, so if it's food, then it's got to be something with lamb, and I'm going to go for either kebabs or chop. <laughs> Love it. Okay, cool. No worries. <laughs> Question two. Now, his favorite song or favorite music artist. So I gave him a choice, but I'm going to tell you that he actually went for a song. So what do you think he said is his favorite song? Oh, um, All right, cool. No, it's question three. I said to Sanjeev, say one thing that is on his bucket list. So one thing that is on his bucket list, he could have said anything at all. His one was a very interesting, specific answer. Can you guess what he might have said? Um... And I'm visiting a country that we wanted to go together. Well, that was the suggestion I gave, but he went with something very different. Okay, he's a foodie. Is it something to do with food? <laughs> it is, do you know what? I may have to give you that one because it's a really difficult one, what he said. But you were saying food. All right, cool. No worries. We'll take that as an answer for today because I think that was a really difficult one, what he said, right? Okay. Okay. Question four. The best holiday that you have both been uh, on together? New Zealand hands down. <laughs> Love it. Okay, cool. Last but not least, the favourite film, his favourite film, Hollywood, Bollywood or otherwise, what do you think he said? Uh, his favourite film? Um, there are two and I'm going to go with... Uh, so it's either Dilwale Dulaniya Le Jayenge or Shole. Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, you have answered all five questions. Have I? <laughs> no, and wait, wait, no. I haven't said you got five out of five yet. Hang on a minute. Wait, oh, well, wait, well, you've, you've answered all five that obviously that the Sanjeev said, right? So um, we need to build up the suspense, all right? So, so this is my fake drum roll that I'm about to get you. I'm going to tell you, I'm just building up the suspense here. You scored. Okay. You scored five out of five. Oh, <laughs> well, well te te techni technically four and a half out of five, but the question with, with number three was a difficult one. So we asked favourite naughty snack. He said lamb chops. He did say that. Yeah, uh, okay. Favourite song, Emine Hamsafa, which is lined up next. Uh, say one thing that is on his bucket list. He said uh, to have a Bihari restaurant in London. Oh, wow. Interesting, okay. right? So you learned something about your husband today. But you did say food, so we'll give you that one. Uh, so uh, best holiday, New Zealand, you both said. A favourite film, DDLJ. You also said Chole, but he said DDLJ. So there you go. You scored, I would say, five Excellent. out of five. Well done to you guys. <laughs> well done to you guys. That... Yeah, of course. Oh, but did she do well? I got four and a half out of five, yeah. yeah. Did you leave the room while she's doing that? Okay, yes, he, didn't, he didn't need to leave the room. You're the one doing the oh. guessing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, I'm sorry, but I think if she's got, there's a room for improvement. She can still try to Well, that that's something between you two. So I'm going to leave you to that. Well, the, the good thing is that the 20 years you have together is definitely going to continue. I think. <laughs> Listen, no, I just wanted to say to both of you, Priti and uh, Sanjeev. You have been great sports. Thank you for taking part in the couples challenge. How well do you know your partner? You both scored you scored five out of five, Priti. Well done Thank to you. you. Sanjeev, I think when lockdown is over, you need to take Priti out for a slap up behind meal. Yeah, exactly. A slap up behind restaurant. Maybe the second option, you know, you must say we need a Malayali restaurant. Ah, nice. I think you need to take her out for some lamb chops as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you both are Thank absolute you, stars. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor, me, Amit Soda. Catch our Love Guru, Amit Soda, between 7 pm and 10 pm every Sunday for that chill out zone. 